Okay, we start here by the Mishnah on the bottom of Amar Aleph from Bet. Mishnah says, Ashlosh Amirot Nashim Metot Peshat Leidatan. For three sins, women die at the time of childbirth. Alshainan Zihirot Benida. Not careful in the mitzvah of Nida. Bichala Hafrashat Chala. Ubadlakataner and lighting the candles on Erev Shabbat. So now the Gemara is going to investigate. You have two questions that you have to address, which is, number one, the Averot themselves, and number two is the Shatle Datan. Bavli and Yushalmi deal with it slightly differently, and because of that, Bavli has an extra step in its process. Rashi actually quotes it from the Midrash Rabbah, but it's in Yushalmi as well. The Yushalmi takes it on directly and explains why each of these mitzvot are related specifically to women. So then, if that's the case, you understand why women are at risk when they don't perform these mitzvot. The Bavli does it in two stages, which is first it explains why these Ave wrote, and then secondly, why it's particular to Leida. So the Bavli has two stages as opposed to Yushami. I'll show you in Rashi, somewhat along the lines of what the Yushami says. It says, Nida So the simple one is Nida. Nida, she was Mikaltel. She did something wrong with regards to a mitzvah that involves the uterus. So therefore, she's punished. Mida keneged mida with the uterus, the chat leida. Then the Gemara says, Tinach nida. That works well for nida. Chala v'chadakat ner ma'ikalam emar. You can't correlate with chala and the dakat ner between the punishment, which is the punishment of dying v'chat leida. So then you can't say that's mida keneged mida. So k'dadarish hau geludah lei derev chisto. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Reviyat dam natati b'chem. I put a reviyat dam. A person has... According to the Gemara, a revered dam that keeps them alive, that's the base lifeblood of the individual. And I warned you about issues of blood, meaning nida. Reshit karati etchem. I called you reshit. Reshit vota, Yermiel, Novi. Having the nevoah says that the B'nai are considered to be the first of Hashem's fruit. And I also warned you about the issues of Reshit, which is the mitzvah of Chala, which is Reshit, which is the mitzvah to be Mafrish Chala. So then, Nishma, Shinatati Bachem Kruya Ner, Ner Hashem Nishmat Adam. The Nishma that I put in you is called a candle. Alisker Ner, Hizharti Yatchem. Therefore, I warned you about issues of the Ner being Nerot Shabbat. So the Gemara's conclusion is, Hashem is saying that there's certain basics or fundamentals of the individual, and there's a mitzvah correlated with them, which is Revi Adam, which is the lifeblood of an individual. The mitzvah of Nida is correlated with that. Mitzvah of Chala is Hashem's calling B'nai Israel the Reshit, that we're the first of his, the choicest, the first of his. The Ner is because Ner Hashem Nishmat Adam, the Nishma is compared to a Ner. If you keep these mitzvot, good. If not, then I take back what is mine. Ner Hashem Nishmat Adam, I'll take my Ner back. The Revi Adam, I will take that back. And Reshit, I will take back my Reshit. The obvious problem now is that what does it have to do with women? Aside from mitzvah nida, which is obviously directed at women, none of these necessarily have anything to do with women. And that's why the Gemara says, Umay b'shat leidatan. So then what does that have to do specifically with the shat leida? So Amarova, and now the Gemara is going to give a list of what we call colloquialisms that basically say carpe diem. When there's a chance, that's when you get hit, that's when things happen. Jez, nafal Torah, if a shore falls to the ground, chadad the sakina. So that's a globalism that if you have to shech a shore, instead of having to fight with it, to shech it, once it falls on the ground, he says sharpen the knife and do it while it's already down. Because it's much easier to shech it when it's on the floor than if you have to fight it down to the ground. A bayer mar, tafish, 
Tiros, Amto Bechad Matrol Habe. Tafish means to expand, to have more. Tiros is Peshab Lehitris. The Gemara says in many places, Lehitris Neged Shamayim, someone who disobeys, is morate, rebels against God. Amto Bechad Mechatrol Habe. Amto is like the staff, or what you hit someone with. With one shot, you get them. The birth or birthing is part of the klala that was given to Chava as a punishment for the chait of the etzadat. And because that punishment is already in place, then while you're getting punished, you may as well punish on other things. That's the expression, which is that for lots of different iniquities or improper behavior, sometimes if you have the staff out already, you may as well hit it a little harder, a little extra, take care of everything at once. So a chat laid out, which is already a punishment for something, then we'll punish in other items that are there. Ravio is a drunkard. So leave the drunkard because he'll fall on his own. You don't have to push the drunkard down. He falls on his own. Here too, Rashi explains, once she's already down on her luck, things are difficult for her during childbirth, then when she's already down, things will go further downhill. Marvuka Amar, Raya Chigra, Vizeriatan. Have a shepherd who is lame, and you got quick-footed goats. When he comes to get them in line or they run away, he can't chase after them. Abav Chutra Mile, Abedari Chushbano. That when they get to the fence, then he'll have a word with them. And when they come back into the corral, that's when he'll take his retribution. Again, the idea being, like, he's not going to catch them when they're, when they're light-footed. He's not going to catch them because he's lame. But eventually they have to come back to get their food, they have to come back to the corral. When they come back, he'll be waiting there with the staff to give them their due. As Rashi says, Klomar, a woman when she's healthy, Pamim She has the ability through her schuyo to keep her going. And the prosecutor can't do anything about the sin. When she's in danger, so then she needs help. Now she can't just rely on her status quo. She has to have intervention. Then, At that point where she needs help, then the question of whether she's worthy of that help or not comes up. And that's the same mashal that's been given by Mar'ukva. So when it comes to the door of the store, basically a place that has plenty, when there's wealth and when there's plenty, there's lots of brothers and lots of good friends. When there's poverty and difficulty, there are no brothers and no friends. And when things are plentiful and things are good, everybody's on your side. When you're down on your luck, then nobody's to be found. And the same thing here with the woman, as things get difficult for her when she goes into childbirth or into labor, that's when things get difficult for her. There's no, the, her protection, all those that stand by her side are going to go away. So that's the end of the women's section here. If you go up to Rashi, Rashi on the second line on the top here, he says, Binoshim nitztavu al Still have to answer is what is particular to women about these issues. So Rashi quotes Rashid Rabo. The Yushalmi has the same limud, which is basically that Chavak causes the death of Adam Rishon. Adam Rishon has certain descriptions of him, which is, he Adam Rishon, who was the chala of the world, she caused to be lost. She was taken out like chala, that Hashem took out of the earth 
formed into Adam, and then kneaded further into Adam, and then put in Shemanite. She extinguished the light of the world, therefore she should light the candles. She caused him to die in the end. It was Niknas the Mita because of that chait. Therefore, she has the din of Nida. And then Rashi goes in, the last one, Ba'od, that the house is her purview. And these are items that really deal with the household, which is the Chala, Nida, and Nerot Shabbat, which are all issues of the home, are something of the woman's area of expertise, her area of... Right. The mitzvot are not unique to women in the sense that a man can perform these mitzvot. Of course, a man can perform these mitzvot. But in general, in Alarov, it's going to be the women who, because this is their area of purview, their mitzvot, they're more particular their mitzvot. More clear in the Gemara in Ketubot on the items that a person can demand divorce his wife without a Ketubah, those are areas where the woman has nemanut. Women are believed. Even though women may not testify as a deem, they have a certain amount of nemanut. They have nemanut in nida. To count their yemei ta'ara. They're believed. And they get control over counting their yemei ta'ara. Even though, and technically, they don't have an ability to be neman in times of edut. Because we have this principle, that women are believed in these areas. They are also nemanut when it comes to chala, trumot, masrot, kashrut. The women in the house are believed. They don't need a mashkiach. They have nemanut in these areas. These are areas that are relegated and given to them where they have extra nemanut. And they're believed. And they really control these areas in terms of our ability to practice them. Nida, tarata mishpacha, eating food, anything to deal with the food. And then they wrote Shabbat, which is the preparations for the Shabbat and having everything ready so that we go into the Shabbat properly. That is relegated to the women. And the women have nemanut, especially in that area. They violate that nemanut. Mishnayot and Ketubot say that a man may divorce his wife without a Ketubah because she's violated that trust that is placed in her. So these are mitzvot that are uniquely the realm of women. Again, even though men can perform, at least Kala and Nerot Shabbat. Now, the Gemara asks, I have a question, which is, Gavrei Hecha Mibdike. That works well for the women. Where do men get tested. The way the Bible is setting it up now, is basically when you're in trouble for women in childbirth, Hashem comes and takes retribution for certain things. So here the Mishnah lists out mitzvot that are particular to women, and therefore they get taken to task when they're giving birth. But what happens for men? Men have plenty of mitzvot, and if they are not acting appropriately, where do they get tested? So, Amarish Lakish, Bishash Geshe. When they go over a bridge, Geshe Tulo, what do you mean? Only when they cross bridges do they get tested? So in their day, crossing a bridge was not as secure as it was today. Crossing over a bridge over water was usually pretty flimsy and difficult to ask, and they collapsed these bridges all the time. It was considered to be dangerous to cross on the bridge. It was a certain amount of risk of life. And that's what the Gemara is describing here, that if you are in danger, that's the time that Hashem comes to check things out. Basically, when things are the status quo, you don't need any intervention in order to be protected. If you don't need intervention to be protected, then it's harder to prosecute at that time or to come in and say, listen, uh, this person doesn't deserve it. But when they're in danger and they need special protection to get them through these areas, then the question of whether they're worthy or not comes up. So that's the same way by women, it's childbirth. By men, it's areas of sakana. Rav would not cross. Now the word mivra in Shas, Rashi always translates it as something like a ferry or a raft that goes across the water. 
Others translate it as a gesher. In the context of the Gemara, it would make a lot of sense that it's a gesher. It's a bridge. But some way to traverse water, whether it's a raft or ferry or whether it's a bridge, he would not cross at the same time as a non-Jew. Amar Dilma, Mifkadaydina, Alei, Umitafisna Bhadei. Maybe it's his time has come, and he's going to get punished, and I'm going to get swept up in his punishment. Because maybe I don't have enough schuyot at that time, but I'd rather not be on the bridge when they're coming after him, because then they're really going to have questions about me before they save me. Ushmuel, on the other hand, he would only cross a bridge or a raft that did have an akum on it. Amar sitna betray ume lo shalit. Interesting, the Satan does not have power over two nations at once. He can't act on both at once, and therefore Shmuel assuming that he was on the better end of the deal here. Assuming that if he was going after the other guy, that he would be safe. And therefore, he would be okay in that situation. Rav Badik Vavar. It's a very important statement. Rav it's a common phrase that's used. Rav used to check the raft before he crossed, or the bridge before he crossed, to make sure that it was sturdy and that it didn't have holes in it. Rav the Tamei, he did this according to his own precept, which is, Damar, the Olam, a person should put himself into a place of danger. Because then they'll do me a miracle. They'll take care of me. Don't worry. If I'm going to danger, God will take care of me. Maybe they won't do a miracle for him. And if they do, do for him a miracle. That is going to detract from his merits. Basically, the principle that we say, We do not rely on miracles. A person should put himself into a place where he has to rely on miracles in order to be saved or to get through the situation. What's the pasuk that indicates that if one has to have a shim intercede on their behalf, that that counts against their merits? Yaakov Avinu, when he's coming back from the house of Lavan, he's about to meet Esav, and he's beseeching Hashem, he says, The way the Gemara is reading it now is, I've been reduced. I've been reduced. I'm smaller now because of all the goodness and truth that Hashem has performed with me. All that Hashem did for me and took care of me in the house of Lavan has reduced my merits. And now I'm a Katan. So that's the idea that's being expressed here by Ravianai, which is that if a person does have to rely on that, then he loses his merits are reduced because Hashem had to intercede on his behalf. Mizera, so this is Minyona Diyoma. Mizera, Biyoma Deshuta, Lunafik Lebeni Dikle. Mizera on a windy day. Biyoma Deshuta means like a very strong wind. She says the southerly wind. He wouldn't walk between trees. He wouldn't walk between palm trees because there's a likelihood that they'll be knocked down by the wind. So you don't take that risk of walking under the trees when it's extremely windy day. Person should always ask mercy that he should not get sick. Because if you get sick, in order to escape the sickness, to get up from the sickness, then you have to provide credentials, you have to provide merits in order to get out. Just basically when it's the status quo, the status quo is easier to maintain than it is to change the status quo. So a person who is in the status quo, they may not need as strong a merit to remain in that status. Once he gets sick and then difficulties approach, and now he wants to change what's going on in his life at this point, he wants to get out of the sickness, the person has to provide much more in the way of merits and beseech Hashem to take him out of this situation, which is true in life in general, that as long as things are going the same way, it's not difficult to maintain the status quo or the inertia that is taking them through. As soon as something changes, and then you have to reverse, or you have to undo that which has changed, it's much harder 
to change the inertia or the status quo. So Amar Magukva, my Quran, what's the puzzle that teaches us that? It says, Ki anofel mimenu. This is said by the mitzvah makeh, mitzvah that a person must put a fence on his roof. In their day, the roofs were flat. And if the roof was flat, people walked on the roof. People did things on the roof, especially they dried their fruit. They did other things on the roof. Therefore, you have to put a fence around the roof so people will not fall off the roof. It won't be a danger. Because if you don't put up a mega, because otherwise, the falling will fall from it. And the Mara says, What does it mean, mimenu? Mimenu lahavi raya. On him to bring a proof that he shouldn't fall off of it. So the one who is walking over there who will fall off the roof, who is designated to fall off the roof, he must bring proof that he should not fall off the roof. So here is a person who is now in danger because he's on the roof, he's at the edge of the roof, and it's possible that he will fall. In order not to fall, Mimenu, he has to provide the proof that he should not fall. Mimenu. So it's interesting, the Lashon, that's what he's playing on here, it says, when falls, Hanofel, the faller. When you use Hanofel, it means that the person has already fallen. Because it says, Kipo, when he falls, Hanofel. Now, Hanofel, we would read it, and the thing is, Kipo falls, one who will fall, in the future tense. But the way it's written, really, is Kipo, Hanofel. Hanofel is someone who's already fallen. So, Kipo, when falls, the fallen. So, he says, based on that, Because this person was already designated from the creation, to fall. The Rashi brings down the Medrash Chazal in Yeshayahu, it says, Kored Adorot Merosh, the God designates what's going to happen to the generations, Merosh, everything's designated, what's going to happen. So already, his fate was determined already. But yet, the Pasuk says, Sharelo Nafal, he hasn't fallen yet, Akaduv Karo no fell. And the Pasuk already calls him someone who has fallen. Ella, Shemigal Galim, Zchut Ayyadei Zakai, Bechuva Ayyadei Chayav. There's an additional perspective to this which is that Hashem, when he needs to punish an individual, he brings a zchut to that who is already meritorious, he brings the detriment to those that are already in trouble. Which is here, this person didn't form the mitzvah of makeh. He didn't do what he was supposed to do and put on the mitzvah of makeh, so he's chayav. So therefore, what Hashem will do is someone who is deserving of death, his fate is to die, will be up on his roof and fall off of his roof. So even though... This person necessarily didn't have any correlation or anything to do with the person who's falling off. God wanted that person to pass away, to die. But he's going to have him come to this person's roof and fall off because he didn't take care of what he was supposed to do. So God brings, rolls in the chovah to the chayav. So this person will have the person who is fated to die fall off of his roof because he's already chayav because he didn't perform the mitzvah makeh or for whatever reason. And we have the same thing by zuchut the zakai. person who has merits and Hashem wants to then help someone else out, he'll use this individual as the vehicle for helping the other individual out. So over here, the Gemara is suggesting that, number one, if someone gets themselves into trouble, then more trouble is apt to follow. If someone is doing good or doing well, then there's more good to follow. That's one. The second thing is, a person who is fated to pass away, then Hashem has already determined that. And if he doesn't bring Mimenu, if he doesn't bring some sort of merit or some sort of defense, then he's going to be punished. And that's Hanofel. He's already fallen. In Hashem's eyes, he's done already. He's fallen. So he pulled Hanofel. So the only reason that he'll be saved is Mimenu, if he has somebody to defend himself against being the fallen already. Person who is 
on their deathbed, basically. They're sick, and they are on their deathbed. We say to him, say vidui. You should do tshuva. Shkein kolam umatim mitvadim. So the Gemara in Sanhedrin tells us that when it comes to the mitot beitin, when they put him to death, when he's sentenced and then being executed, we always say to the person, say vidui, because death is mitchaper if a person does tshuva. Let's say vidui now, so that this death, this punishment, will act as a form of tshuva, a form of kapara for you. So Adam yotzei the shuk. So a person goes out to the shuk, in his eyes, is given over to the sheriff. Because Rashi says that it's dangerous going out to the shuk because there are all these people who are ready to get into arguments with you, to cause trouble, to have difficulties in your interactions and your business dealings. So when you go out there, it's to be as if you've been taken by the sheriff. That's the way you should view it. Chash a person has a headache, something is feeling a little ill. It's as if they chained him up. They put him up, locked him up in the chains. A person has gone onto his bed, laid down because he's sick, he's so ill that he has to go to the bed. Should be the equivalent if they took him up to the executioner's platform. Because a person is taken onto the executioner's platform, to be judged or to be executed. If you have great defense, then you can be saved. And that each of these stages is a further along in the process of ending up being executed. When the sheriff takes you in, alright, maybe you'll get out, maybe you won't get out. The difficulty, but there doesn't take much to undo that. Once you're chains in the chains, it's more difficult to undo that. You're on the executioner's platform, they take you up to Gardum, most likelihood is you're not coming off the executioner's platform. The only way you come off of that is if there's a significant intervention on your behalf. So the same way here, a person in their life, to look at their interactions or difficulties in their interactions, the more difficult the situation, the more they should take note of it, that they're moving closer and closer to the point where it can't be reversed. So a person who simply, everyday life, goes out to the shuk and has difficult interactions, things that can go wrong, it doesn't look like that, that they're being brought in by the sheriff. If they do enough good, if they get enough defense, they're fine, but... Otherwise, it would be difficult for them. Again, if you're locked up in the chains, you're one step closer. So if a person already starts to get sick or ill, they should start worrying. They should start uh, They should look into their ways, make sure that they're not doing anything wrong, do tshuva. And obviously, if someone's laying down, now they're ill and they're bedridden, that's another stage where they really need to look into it even more carefully. They have to know that to get up from the bed is going to take much more effort in that sense. And what are the defense of a person? What can he do? Shuva umasim tovim. Hey, doing repentance and good deeds. Even if there are 999 on the negative side that are prosecuting him, and he has one defense, he's saved. Shinemar, says, So if a person has Malach Melitz, a Malach, a angel Melitz who speaks up on his behalf, that is interceding on his behalf, Echad Minayalef, one out of a thousand. Then, like Gid Adam Yeshrol, to speak about his Yashar, about that what he's done right. Ve'yichunenu, they will be gracious to him. Ve'yomer pedeo mireded shachat, redeem him from going down to shachat to Gehinom. All it takes is one out of a thousand to save him. Ve'lezer benosh Rabbi Yosef Gliomer, afilu teisha me'ovet shim tisha ba'oto Malach. Even if 999 parts of one malach are the chova, or to his detriment, echad eschut, and one to his merit, nitzol, he's saved, shnemer, melitz, echad minei aleph. Melitz is one of 1,000. As Rashi points out, the modifier echad should have come after malach. 
Im Yeshalab Malach Echad, Melitz, Minei Olaf. The fact that the modifier Echad comes after Melitz is why Rabbi Eliezer Benosh, Rabbi Yosegli says that the Echad is modifying the Melitz. It's one out of a thousand of the one who is speaking on his behalf. So one one thousandth of that one who is speaking on his behalf, that's enough to save them. Rather than saying it's one out of a thousand. Because the modifier is after Melitz, not after Malach. Ashlosh, Averot, Nashim, Metot, Yodot. Three of Erod, women die when they are giving birth. They die when they are young. The two statements here, one is that they die in childbirth, and one is that they die when they are young. That they launder their children's soiled clothing on Shabbat. So they're in the violation of the Shabbat, but something that they're involved with, engaged with all the time. They call the Arona Kodesh Arna. Arna is a chest. It's a piece of furniture in the house. And so they're not giving the proper respect to the Aron and calling it the Arna instead of the Arona Kodesh. Interesting in general, Tosafot jumps in right away and says, this is not the Aron that's mentioned in the Mishkan. Because in the Gemara, when the Gemara wants to talk about the Arona Kodesh like we speak about it today, they talk about a Teva. They don't talk about the Arona Kodesh. Arona Kodesh is a terminology that we don't usually see. We usually see Teva. teva. So Arona Kodesh is not usually a terminology that's used. Nevertheless, it says it doesn't make sense that the women were talking about the Arona Mishkan and calling it some piece of furniture. It was too long ago. It wasn't in their world at that time. It's not something that they had their focus on. It wouldn't have been something that they discussed. So he says that it has to be talking about the Arona Kodesh. And the Shul, even though this is not the normal term that's used by the Gemara. And nevertheless, they spoke with it in a way that was not giving proper respect towards Arona Kodesh. It could be that the distinction derives from the way that they kept their Sifri Torah on that day. The Sephardim still have this in some places. Most of them back in their old countries had it this way, now in Eretz Yisrael. But they used to have a room in which the Sifri Torah were kept. A room or an Aron where the Sifri Torah were kept. From that room, they used to bring out the Sefer Torah that they were going to use that week into a Teva. A Teva was a much smaller encasement that was in front of where they daven, in front of the Amud or in front of the Bima that was kept there. So they kept the Sifrei Torah in the chamber, anteroom, whatever it was, that was a side room in the shul, and they were brought out to the Teva. So the difference here might be that Teva and our own Kodesh have to do with the utility. And that the Teva might have been used in the active davening, and the own Kodesh might have been where they stored all the Sifrei Torah. If that's possibly the distinction that's being drawn over here between Arona Kodesh and Teva. Right. Tanya, Rabbi Shmuel, Ben Elozer, Omer, Babon Shnei Dvarim, Ameharatzot Mitim. Because of two sins, the regular lay people pass away. Ashkorim, Arona Kodesh, Arna, that same sin. They don't give proper respect towards the Arona Kodesh. Ashkorim, the Beit Knesset, Beit Am. They call the Beit Knesset the house of the people, meaning that it's the social center rather than the Makomat Fila which is uh, difficult in shuls in general, that they have huge status in terms of social status. That's what also happened with the Beit HaMikdash as well. It became a social center instead of a makom of tefillah, engagement with Hashem. And that's why Hashem, in the end, destroys the Beit HaMikdash because it's no longer serving the purpose that it's supposed to. So it's over here. If they discuss the Arona Kodesh and the Beit HaKnesset without the proper reverence, that's an issue because they don't really understand then what the purpose of these items is and that the way that they should be interacting with them. The three checkers of death in the woman. Three items that are dovek, that, that stick to the woman. The three are the same as our Mishnah. 
One of them is subscribing to Rabbi Lazar, one of them is subscribing to the Rabbanan. Before we saw, Machlog was between Rabbi Lazar and the Chachamim as to whether the women died biyodot, when they gave birth, or biyodot, when they were young. So the badke mita, the ones that check for mita, that is the one who said yodot. That correlates with the one who said that they die when they are giving childbirth, because that's a time of sakana. So that's when they're getting checked. Those that say that davke mita, that stick, to them, the kavim or kavim mita, they, they attach to them, they get close to them, and they cause death before the proper time. That's the one who said yaldut, that they die when they are young. Tanya, Rabbi Shimon Omer, Hilchot, Hekdesh, Chumot, Umasrot. When it comes to Hekdesh and Chumot, Umasrot, Hein, Hein, Gufei, Torah. Those are fundamentals of Torah. Venim Lameha Aretz. And they're given over to the regular lay people. As Rashi points out, Shalom Asru, the Beit in Lunot, Shumrim, Ladavar. We don't have people going around and checking all this stuff. The Torah believes people. People are trusted. We in general, we believe other people to take care of Trumotu Masrot, to take care of issues of Hektesh. We trust that. We don't go around saying that, number one, we won't take items, we won't transact on items because maybe it's Hektesh. A person made a Hektesh and decides that he doesn't want to give it to Hektesh. There's Hektesh floating around. We don't worry about that. We don't assume that anything is hektesh. We assume that everybody who has hektesh takes care of it. As well as the fact that we also trust other people to take off trumot or masrot, and we buy food from them, and we interact with them, we eat over their houses, and we don't question whether they take off trumot or masrot. Even though Rashi says, wait a minute, Wait, what about the fact that the Rabbanu are metake in demai, which means that when we buy produce from an amaret, we're mafrish trumot or masrot, we safek, because we don't trust them. What happened to that part of it? Says Mikomakom Torah Heminato. I should distinguish between a Doraita Torah level and a rabbinic level. On the Torah level, the Torah granted them that trust. Every individual is believed when it comes to Kashrut, Nemanut, with regards to Trumoto Masrot, every person has a Nemanut and they're believed and trusted in these areas. But the Rabbateinu, our rabbis, realized that that wasn't happening, that people were not trustworthy and it was causing problems, and therefore they instituted things like Demai. They instituted other things where we have to watch and check up on people because people sometimes are no gear, but of our personal level, we are careful about it because people are not experts at Trumoto Masrot. They don't know what to do. Or even when they do know what to do, they're not interested in taking care of it. They don't really think it's important. Therefore, we have to watch out for that. And then also in commercial side, we also have that in terms of Mashkirim because unfortunately people are known to circumvent the halachot because they have a personal interest, a monetary interest there, and therefore we have to have someone else who looks out for the interests of the people in these situations. Both because of a lack of knowledge, sometimes people are just ignorant about these issues, and other times because people intentionally cheat because that's how they are able to make more money. The Gemara continues now, Tanya, Rabbi Natan Omer, Bavon Nidarim Meita Isha But the sin of Nidarim, taking vows, oaths that a person does not keep, then a person, Chas V'Shalom, loses their wife. Shinamar, Yimein Lecha L'Shalem, Lami Ikach Mishkavcha Mitachtecha. So the Pasuk in Mishle is referring to when the lender comes to take his collateral, or when he comes to take that which belongs to him, you borrowed money, you can't repay it, he's going to come take the bed that you sleep on. And that's literally what it means in the Pasuk. Chazal are interpreting it allegorically and saying, Mishkavcha mitachtecha, that he'll take your bed from under you means your wife. That you'll lose your wife because of the avon nidarim. Why should you take a nether or do something that you can't pay and fulfill? Because, Yikach mishkavcha mitachtecha, they're going to take away your bed, but bed here referring to his wife. Rebbe Omer, avon nidarim, banim, meitim, kishen, ketanim. 
with the sin of Nidarim, children pass away when they are Ketanim. And it's particularly only when they're Ketanim, not when they're Gedolim. It's only when they're Ketanim, when they're under the Achrayut, the responsibility of their parents, then the parents' sin can impact on the Ketanim. Shinemar. Don't let your mouth cause something to go wrong with bisarecha with your flesh. Don't say before the malach here, the angel Rashi determines malach here to be the gizbar, the treasure of hekdesh. I made a mistake. I thought I was going to give it, but now I can't do it. Why should God get angry over what you've said? And then he will destroy the works of your hand. What are the works of a person's hand? That is his children. Both of the term biserecha, your flesh, and maseyadecha refer to children. Right? Children are an extension of the parents. Biserecha, your own flesh. And maseyadecha, that you invest in. Those are what you create. And therefore Hashem will take away and if you don't keep your word. If you don't do what you said you were going to do. Rabbi Shimon says what we just said before, which is with the sin of Nidarim, not keeping one's word, then Banim Meitim, the children pass away. On the other hand, Rabbi Yudanasi says, It has to do with not allocating the proper amount of time to Torah, doing other things besides learning Torah, which are not necessary, which are not productive. Avon Nidarim, we know, we just brought a pasuk that teaches it that. What's the pasuk that we're speaking about over here? Where, where's the proof of that? So rhetorical question, God says, the same parak that we said before about Reshit, that God calls us his Reshit. That parak says, You think that I hit, I took retribution, I punished your children for naught? That's the rhetorical question. And the answer is, Musar lo lakachu. They didn't take Musar. They didn't take Lekach. Lekach meaning they didn't take a lesson. The lesson in Musar is that of the Torah. So they didn't take, they didn't listen to the Torah. They didn't tread carefully with regards to the Torah. Therefore, what do you think? I, I hit them for naught? The same din that we saw before, Von Nedarim, could also be learned out of this Pasuk, which is, the Shah You think for naught that I hit your children, I punished your children? Al Shav. The play on the words is Shav, like Shuat Shav. Because you didn't keep your word, you didn't keep your oath, then the oath becomes the Shav for naught. And so the the Shav, over Shav, I punished your children. Let's see this. Rabbi Udanasi, Hainu Rabbi. Rabbi is the same as Rabbi. He's known by both names. Yudha Nasi, because he was the Nasi, as well as the fact that his name was Rabbi, meaning that an accolade like Rav that was given to important figures. So he has the name Rabbi, but he's also known as Rabbi Yudha Nasi. And over here we had him say both things, which is the first name was Rabbi Omer, Ravon Nidarim, Banim Meitim. Rabbi said before that the Avon Nidarim has caused the children to die. Then we had Rabbi Yudha Nasi say, Ravon Bitol Torah, that the children die. So which one is it? So Mirte Rabbi Yudanasi Hainu Rabbi Rabbi Bavon Nedarim Kamar Batar de Shema Mirablazer Rabbi Shimon. After he heard it from Rabbi Lazer Rabbi Shimon, then he changed his mind because Rabbi Lazer Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon that we're speaking about there is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. You see that on tomorrow's daf, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his son is Rabbi Lazer Rabbi Shimon. 
Shimon Yochai is Rabbi's Rebbe. Rabbi Loza, Rabbi Shimon ends up learning by Rebbe, is more of a Talmud of Rebbe, along with Rebbe's own son. You'll see sometimes in the Gemara, they have an argument between Rabbi Loza, Rabbi Shimon, and Rebbe's son. It's interesting, and sometimes they actually had problems between them, they had little quarrels between them, they came to Rebbe to try to sort it out. So this is Rabbi Loza, Rabbi Shimon, after he quoted it, Rabbi heard that from Rabbi Loza, Rabbi Shimon, knowing it came from Shimon Yochai, his Rebbe. And therefore he changed his mind, and then he said that that's right, that Be'avon Nidarim, Bani Meitim, and not Be'avon Bitul Torah. So even though his opinion was one, had said Bitul Torah, he changed it to Be'avon Nidarim after he heard it from what his Rebbe had said. Which is interesting, in general, you should know in the Gemara, Rabbi Yudha Nasi, that there's two Rabbi Yudha Nasis in the Mishnah, in the Gemara. There's a Rabbi Yudha Nasi that we know as Rabbi, like the Gemara says over here, but there's also a later Rabbi Yudha Nasi, who is two or three generations later, Another Rabbi Huda Nasi, who's not the Misadera Mishnah, which was common in their time. For instance, there's Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Gamliel had a son named Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon has a son named Rabbi Gamliel. And then Rabbi Gamliel has another son named Rabbi Shimon. They used to name after the father who was alive at the time, like the Sephardim do. But then because of that, you have Rabbi Gamliel, and then another Rabbi Gamliel. So how do you distinguish? So they used to call him Rabbi Gamliel as a cane, and then the other one's Rabbi Gamliel. That there are distinctions they had to do through certain terminology, which either is, they used to either call them Hatsair, Hazakain, Zutra, Batra. They used to give some sort of qualifier on them to distinguish between the earlier and the later one. So Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, they usually call the other one Rabbi Yehuda Nasi'ah. It's usually a distinction that's drawn that Rabbi Yehuda Nasi is Rabbi and Rabbi Yehuda Nasi'ah is the later Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, just to distinguish between the two of them. Here the Gemara takes it for granted, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi'ah, that's Rabbi. But you have to just know that sometimes the Mishnah, what you think is, Rabbi Yudha Nasi is Rabbi Yudha Nisiyah, which is about three generations later. Pligi ba Rabbi Chia bar Abba Rabbi Yossi. Chia Abba and Rabbi Yossi. Gilean Ashas, Rabbi Kivyegu says, it's not Rabbi Yossi, it doesn't make any sense. Rabbi Yossi is a Tano, and Rabbi Chia bar Abba is an Amora. It wouldn't make sense that they were arguing on anything. And therefore he changes it either to Rabbi Asi or Rabbi Ami. Because he says it makes more sense that they, they, they would be arguing or that they would be contemporaries. So he says, Chadamar Bavon Mezuzah. That people pass away or their children pass away either because of the sin of Mezuzah or because of Bittul Torah. The man that Marabon Mezuzah mikreni dresh lefanav. When it says Marabon Mezuzah because the pasuk is doresh or it's connected to the one that is juxtaposed before it. But only if they fanav, but not two psukim before. The man that Marabon Bittul Torah mikreni dresh lefanav v'lif nefanav. Not only is it juxtaposed to the last pasuk that's close to it, but even the one before that. What are they referring to? And they're referring to Vayayim Shemoa. Then in Vayim Shemot it says, L'man yirbuy mechem, b'vein b'neichem. In order that you should have a long life, and your children should have a long life. That is the end of the parsha Vayim Shemot. The passage before that is, Uchtav temamuzuzot beitecho v'yisharecha. So there's a correlation in that juxtaposition between doing the mitzvah mezuzah and a long life, or the opposite of which you as well. If you don't perform the mitzvah mezuzah, you will not be granted a long life. So that is the opinion of the one who says, Bavon Mezuzah, that people pass away or that their children pass away because it's connected to the Mani Bui Mechem Mechem. The one who says, Bavon Bitul Torah, puts before Uchtab Temam Mezuzah Petecha, Uvisharecha, is Lamatem Et Benechem. So there it's teaching Torah to your children. So that's Lifnei Lifanav. That's not the immediate puzzle before it, but it's two before it. So that because of that, he is Doresh. So that is still significant in the Mani Bui Mechem. And the mother of says, no, only Mezuzah is relevant. Bitul Torah is not relevant. One says that the sin of Mezuzah causes these deaths or the children to pass away. 
there's no correlation. They're not even near each other. One's in Sefer Tvarim, one is in Sefer Bamidbar. Even though we put them together when we say Kriyat Shema, that's for a different reason, but it has nothing to do with their juxtaposition in terms of Sukim. So how is it that the mitzvah tzitzit is correlated with the problem of children passing away? So Amar Rav, Kanav, Itemer, Shila, Mari, Dichtiv. It says in the Pasuk in Yermio, also on the corners of your beged were found the blood of the needy that were innocent and they were found on the corner of your beged. So you see that there's some sort of correlation between knafot, the corner of your beged, which is where the mitzvah tzitzit is, and nafshot of the evyonim nikim, those that are needy that are innocent. As Rashi says, that's an allegory for children. Children who are needy, who are dependent on their parents, but negim, but are innocent. They have no sins. Their blood was found on the corners of the beggar because they failed to do the mitzvah of tzitzit. Therefore, they have that blood on their cloak, meaning that the children are passing away because of the mitzvah of tzitzit. The one who says that it's avon mezuzah also can learn it from there. Dichtiv, because the continuation of the pasuk lo b'machteret mitzatim. Over there it says that on the corner of your beggar we found the blood of the innocent and lo b'machteret mitzatim, and you did not find them tunneling into your house. The reference in the Navi there to Machteret is the din in the Torah and Parshat Mishpatim, which is that someone is tunneling into your house. The assumption is that if you stand up to him and stop him, he will kill you. And so the Gemara has a principle that if someone is trying to kill you, kill them first. In defensive manner, you're allowed to kill in order to protect your life if someone's coming to kill you. Nabi is saying this here, You caused death or you killed them. You didn't find them tunneling into your house. So they were not deserving of death. They were innocent and yet you killed them anyway. So what's this machteret? So the Gemara dashes on machteret that they made their doorways like a machteret, like a tunnel. When you go into a tunnel, the doorways don't have doorposts, don't have mezuzot and a mashkof to be chayav and mezuzah, because the tunnel is rounded and they come in in a way that's not an open doorway. And so that's what it means over here, that they made their doorways like machteret. Even though they had regular doorways, they made them like the machteret, but they didn't put mezuzot up on it. And that's what it means here, that the dam that's found on the cloak is because lo machteret. You were treating your doorways not like regular doorways, but me machteret, like Claw spaces where you didn't put on a mezuzah. Amar Rabbi Yishlakish Kol Azir B'Tzitzit Zocher U'Mishamshim Lo Bet Alafim V'Ched Meot Abadim. Anybody who's Zayir in the mitzvah Tzitzit, in the end they will be Zocher to have two thousand eight hundred people in their service. Shinamar Pasuk in Zechariah about Latid Davo. In the future, what will be? Komar Hashem Tzvakot Hashem, the Master of Hosts, Bayamim Ahema. In those days, Asher Yachziku Asra Anishim Mikol Leshonot Hagoyim. There will be ten people from all the different languages of the nations. And they'll hold on to the corner of the cloak of a Jewish person saying, We want to go with you. So now if you take the math to do this, is if you have four knafot, you have four corners on your beged, each corner holds up ten people as it says here. Or it says, From all the languages. And we know as Chalal say that there's seventy umaut, seventy lishonot. So there you have it, you have 70 times 10 is 700, times 4 is 2,800. So that's how they get to the number of 2,800.
Next Gemara continues. Tanya, Rabbi Nechemi Omer. Bavon sinrat chinam meriva raba betoch beto shaladam vishto mapelet nefelim ubanav notav shaladam meitim kshen ketanim. The sin of sinat chinam. This is what results. You know, Rashi says sinat chinam, which is that someone has shalora abo davar veira. You didn't say that a person did something improperly, that they were sinning. There you're allowed to hate them. And yet he still hates them, even though this person is not doing anything wrong in terms of Torah law. Yet you hate him anyway. You have a dislike for this individual without any reason. What we call baseless hatred. The best interpretation I've ever heard of Sinat Chinam is not necessarily baseless hatred, but the response of the individual does not measure to that which is done to them. Which is that if somebody wrongs you, a person feels wrong, then they feel bad about it, then they have certain negative feelings towards the other individual. Or the negative feelings that you have towards that other individual in correlation, in parallel to how you were wronged. If someone really wrongs and there's a serious issue, then a person can feel seriously negatively towards this individual. But most times what happens is it's a small slight or something that happens. And then after that, a person has a grudge that they hold for the rest of their lives. Something that's way bigger than which would be proper response for what was done. And that's what Sinat Chinam is. Sinat Chinam is that not correlating the response to that which has been done. And in that, you have what's Sinat Chinam, which is baseless hatred, because the hatred is not correlated to what was done to them. It's because you feel slighted as a person, and it's your kavod, and because it's your kavod, therefore you blow it up into something greater. So the same thing over here. We have Sinat Chinam. So if a person has Sinat Chinam, the punishment is, first of all, of course, Mida Keneged Mida, it's easy to understand, which is that, Mirivar Rabba Betoch Beital, there is disagreement, quarrels within the house. That's midah k'negem midah. Bishtom apelet nifelim. The woman has miscarriages because of that. And also, as Rashi points out, that's also midah k'negem midah, which is avato nitelet mimenu. So that's a midah k'negem midah. That which the person gets attached to and loves is taken away from him. So his wife has miscarriages. And his children who he is drawn towards, they pass away. So Sinat Chinam, because he has this Sinat Chinam, then his Ava is taken away from him. So that's a Midah, connected Midah. When a person doesn't keep the Mitzvah of Chala, or people don't keep the Mitzvah of Chala, then there's no Bracha B'Mikunas, that which is gathered in, meaning that the Otsrot, Yayin, B'Shemen, those debts which already been gathered in from the fields. So then those don't get a bracha. And because of that, there is a curse on the shearim. Shearim is still used in today in modern day Hebrew, which is the marketplace. The marketplace means the price. Prices start to rise. So if one doesn't give the mitzvah of first of all, that which is already gathered in, the Otsrod Yain and Shemin start to go bad. There's no bracha there. Because of that, there's a shortage of these items. And therefore the prices skyrocket. And that makes it difficult. And then, zarim, zarim. And then you plant, and then others end up eating them. Shinamar. Because it says in the Tokacha in Sefer Vayikra, Af Aniya says, Zot Lechem. This is what I will do to you, because you did not keep the mitzvot that you were supposed to keep. Vikari Lechem Be'ala. I will place upon you confusion, terror. Etachachachet. Diseases that cause your skin to be consumed. Betachachachet. And fever. Michalot Enayim. They consume your eyes that you can't handle. Medivot nafesh brings sorrow to you. Uzratim larik zarachem, and you will plant for naught. Bachlua oivechem, and your enemies with it. 
Al tigra behela. Don't call it behela, terror or fear. Ela bechala. Chayalem bechala. Because of the chala, this is what will come to you. Ve'im notnim. And the opposite is true. If you do do the mitzvah of chala, mitbarchem, you get a bracha. Shneimar. Reshit arisotechem titnula kohen. Laniach bracha al beitachatz. Explicit pasuk in Yecheskel. In Yecheskel in that parak, which is talking about what will be with the kohanim and what is the charge of the kohanim. That parak is also brought because of the difficulty that it raises. We saw that early in the Masechta that they bikshu the gnos Sefer Yechezkel. They wanted to put Sefer Yechezkel into Geniza because Devarav Sotrim Devrei Torah. They found certain things in Sefer Yechezkel that were Soter Devrei Torah. This is one of the Prokim where it's true, is that there are Dinim about the Kohanim here which are not found in the Torah, as well as there are certain Halachot that seem only to buy Kohanim which apply to everyone in Kalah Yisrael in the Torah. That's why we started out in the first parak, but Aliyat. Hanania, what was he doing up in his Aliyah? He went up there to figure out how to reconcile between Yechezkel and the Torah in order to save Yechezkel from being put into Geniza. That's what the Gemara said over there. Zachor, Oto Ish Lutov, Hananiah ben Chizkiah, because he saved Sefer Yechezkel. So Il Malehu, Nignaz Sefer Yechezkel. Had it not been for him, Sefer Yechezkel would have gone into Geniza. Happens to be this is not one of them, but that parak that deals with the issues of Kohanim, there it says, Rishit Erisutachem to go to Kohen, the Chala that you give to the Kohen, Aniach Brachal Beitecha, that will put blessing into your house. Bavon Bitu Chumotu Masrot, Shemaim Ne'etzarin, we don't keep Chumotu Masrot, the skies then withhold, Me'olrit Talumatar to bring down dew and rain, Vayoker Havo, and prices again go up, Vascharavad, it's difficult to make a living. People chase to make a living and they aren't successful. Shinema, as it says, Tziah, Gamchom, drought and heat. Yigzalumi Meisheleg, they will steal away the waters of the melting snow. Sheol Chatau, the same way that Sheol, depths, Gehinom, swallows those that sin, so too drought and heat. Melt they or take away the water that it comes from the snow. So my mashmo. So what does this mean? Tana to be Rabbi Shmuel. B'shvil dorim shetzivetid chem b'motachma. For those issues that I told you to do during the summertime, v'lo asitem that you didn't do. Ixlumi kem b'mei shelik. Then I will take retribution for you in the winter time b'motah gishamim. Because the summertime is the time that the fruits are brought into the house. They dry them in the field and around Sukkot they bring them in. That's why the Mishnah on Revolt says that. Every year, and Motzei Sukkot, there are problems because that's when the Matnot Aniyim were supposed to be given, and when they don't do that, then there's punishment and retribution for that. So, so Dorir, in the summertime, where you were supposed to be giving the Chumot Masrot, you don't do that, you'll be punished. In the winter time, which is that the rain will not come down in the winter time. If they do give them, then there's a bracha. I mean, the opposite is true. Shnemar, Pasuk that we read in Malachi Paragimel, which is the Aftorah for Shabbat Hagadol. This Hashem says, This is what I want from you. Bring all your Masrot to the Beit Otsar to the treasury, to the place to be collected, be teref bibeti. And then there will be plenty, there will be what to be had in my house, uber chanonina bazot. Test me with that, God says. Amar Hashem Tzvakot, im lo eftech lachem et arubot hashamayim, I'll open up the windows of heaven, farigoti lachem brachad blidai, and I'll pour out to you blessing without any end. My ad blidai, what does it mean, ad blidai? Amar Rami Barchamo, Ad Until your lips are worn down from saying enough is enough. It's too much, it's too much. I mean, that's how plentiful it will be. God says, you want to test me? Bring the Masrot and Trumot, and you'll see how much I give back to you and how I bless you on the way back. Babon Gezel, for theft, Hagovai Ola. Then the locusts come, Varab Hava, and then there's famine. And then people eat the flesh of their children. Shinemar. Shimu hadavarazeh parota bashan. 
Listen to me, you parot, the cows of the Bashan, Shir Bahar Shomrom. Now, parot of Bashan is a negative term, parot of Bashan, the fat cows of the Bashan. Remember that when it comes to entering into Eretz Yisrael, Reuven, Gad, and Chatzit, Shevet, Menashe take their chilek on the eastern side of the Jordan. And the areas that they take is from Og Melech HaBashan, a place that we know today up in the Golan area, which is a very, very fertile area. It's great for grazing in. So Parot HaBashan is a term of the fat cows. So you fat cows, Asher Bahar Shomron, that live in the Shomron, Haushkot Dalim, that oppress those that are poor, Barot Tzot Yonim, and crush those that are needy. So Amar Kigon, this is like the women of Avdan. They eat and they don't work. Meaning that they steal from their husbands. They take and they eat and they don't provide anything. Or, Rashi gives a second interpretation, They eat a lot. They are women of luxury that hamper themselves. And because they're women of luxury, their husbands have to go out and supply for them. And because they can't do it, they go out and steal because they can't keep up with the lifestyles of their wives. So that's what he refers to as the women of Mechuzah. There are many other places that Rova speaks about the people of Mechuzah who lived in the lap of luxury. And it says, I came, I hit you with blasting, with the winds, and with mildew. And as your gardens, your vineyards, your figs, and your olives, when they came, many, when they were plentiful, Yochala Gazam. The locusts will come and eat them. That which was left over by the gazam, which are the cutting locusts, or the swarming locusts. That was left over by the swarming locusts, were eaten by the hopping locusts. That was left over by the hopping locusts, was eaten by the destroying locusts. So here there's a continuum, as Rashi says in the Psukim here. So the start of the problem is, where we said in the Pasuk, Those that don't take care of the Ovionim, that's in Amos Perak Dalet. Pasuk Aleph, Pasuk Tet says, then what's the punishment for that? I'll bring the locust. So when I bring the locust, locusts come, but they're still left over. Then we skip over to Yoel, which says that which was left over by the first locust will be consumed by the other locust. It'll be so completely destroyed that there'll be rav. Then there'll be famine. And then the last puzzle that we brought was therefore small that I'll make xerah that on my right hand viraev and people will be hungry to be famine and even what they eat I'll small when they left they won't be satisfied. Ish each person will eat the flesh of his arm. And that they have nothing to eat. They have to eat their own flesh. But then the Gemara says, don't say, Basar Zro'o of his arm, El Basar Zaro. His children, and that's what the Gemara said before, Big Avon Gezel, which was mentioned in Amos, as being the problem that you're stealing from those that are poor and needy. Then Olah, we have Govai, you have locust, Ra'av, and then you have famine, and then Ubnei Adam, Basar Bnei Emunotem, they eat their children. Alright, we'll stop here. Stop.